Talking about stuff, talking about things, talking about you, talking about me. It's not a wild country, and we are celebrating. It is Canberra. Conversations in the capital. Hello, my name is Henry. Welcome to Canberra Conversations in the Capital. Today, at Old Parliament House, I'm joined by the founder and director of She Shapes History, Sita Sargent. She Shapes History provides walking tours around the nation's capital, highlighting the history of women who have heavily contributed to the story of Australia. Through these tours, an unending number of stories are both recovered and finally given the reverence and respect which they deserve in their retellings. By presenting these stories, Sita and her team empower women today to take action for their future as they hear a recount of Australia's history more so than ever in its whole entirety. Hello, Sita. How are you doing today? Hi, Henry. Thank you for having me on the podcast today. That was a very lovely introduction. Oh, well, thank you for being a part of it. We just went on a really nice walking tour. Tell me, why walking tours to begin with? Walking tours are a really accessible and engaging way of sharing history. When I started She Shapes History, I kind of was tossing up a few different ideas for how to make this women's history kind of more well-known. I thought like, oh, maybe a social media account or a website. And I ended up settling on walking tours because I think that there is something so unique about them and their ability to kind of reach everyone. And you can meet people where you're at, which is something that you can't necessarily do with like a book or a documentary or a museum. You get to genuinely tailor your content to the audience. That's really cool. And yeah, and throughout that tour just then, the audience also were just a lot more interactive too, I think, because of it. And just the anything can happen situation, like we had old cars driving by constantly and all of that. It was so much fun. Tell me more about how She Shapes History came to be, the the history and the creation of this organization, these tools. Yeah. So I like to say that She Shapes History was born because I am a complainer (laughs) (laughs) and I had kind of moved back to Canberra in like 2020 after all of my dreams of moving abroad had been disrupted Mm, and stifled by, you know, the plague. So I ended up moving back to Canberra and I ended up moving in with my parents for the first time in, you know, like five years. Which is not something that I would recommend to people. Sure. <laughs> but while I'm there, it's the pandemic, I start getting really like doom and gloom about the future. I'm like, we're never leaving the country oh. again. This is it. Yeah. <laughs> so as a result of that, I start actually looking really internally and towards Australian history. And I have this moment where I'm like, oh, my God, there's this story of the country that they just didn't tell us. And I get so interested and excited. And I'm like... Why don't people know this? Mm. And then I started diving into the story of kind of Canberra, Australia's capital. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, there are so many kind of women here. (laughs) Yet I never thought about Canberra as a city being shaped by women. Yeah. And then because I'm both a complainer and a problem solver, I was like, Mm. oh, I kind of I could do something. I can do something to fix this, to make this kind of, you know, like better and to get these stories out there. Being both a complainer and a problem solver is really good. You know, I think like if it was just one of the two, there'd just be a lot of either like nothing done or a lot of waiting for something <laughs> to it be done. It means you're always busy. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> we were on the Badass Women of Canberra tour, but you have a few going at the same time. You have that one, you have a Spies in the Capital tour, and you have one looking at more the LGBTQIA plus uh, side of things. Tell me more about each of these tours. 
Yeah. So our Badass Women of Canberra tour, which you came on, Mm -hmm. shares the stories of the National Triangle. So this site where we have, you know, things like the National Gallery, the Museum of Australian Democracy at Old Parliament House, the library. And it goes into the story of how women have come and shaped Australia's capital city. And particularly the story about how those contributions from the very beginning have been erased. And this was our original tour that I kind of launched in 2021 when I started running the tours. And then we also have our Spies in the Capital tour, which takes you through the inner south and shares the stories of women in espionage. So those stories of women who became spies, as well as stories of women who were spied on and why we might have spied on women in particular. And then we also have our LGBTQIA plus history tour of Canberra, which is a tour that dives into the city's kind of queer history and showing, and I think a much more like positive light, how queer people in Canberra have contributed to kind of growing the social scene here and making it the city that it is. Because I find that kind of when you talk about queer history, it can often just be bleak and quite depressing. Mm. And I would argue the same with women's history. So the whole thing with the tour is we want to draw out, like, those positives and take a very, like, strength-based approach to storytelling. Hey, I mean, showcasing everything in that positive light is so important for history because you're right. I think I think there's such a focus on not even just, like, the negative side of history when it gets studied, but even just specific elements of it that actually bring everything to the forefront or as much as we can to the forefront is so important. Do you have any favourite stories you like telling across any of these tours? Yeah, I love actually telling the story of Old Parliament House and the fact that, you know, like women in Australia gained that right to vote and stand for virtual parliament in 1902. Old Parliament House was opened in 1927, but when they opened it, they didn't include any toilets for female parliamentarians (laughs) and staffers. And the thinking was that even though they had that right, they just assumed that women would never actually be elected. And that came 25 years after. (laughs) And then, so, like, we see, you know, like, dozens of women from 1943 being elected and none of them have a toilet designated for them. And it's not until 1974 that we see a toilet for women actually being installed. And what they do is they box up this kind of urinal and then they call it a day. And the (laughs) thing that gets me is kind of how temporary it looks like it looks like it could be taken down at any point like this idea that women being elected is just a fluke and that's still here yeah you can go visit it it's a women's only part of the museum I think that one of She Shapes History's main goals and purposes, it will not be controversial to say, is that you're trying to make Australian women's history more accessible. What are some ways that you would suggest, I mean, what are some ways that you've gone about doing that? And what are some ways you would suggest that people, Australians, Canberrans, go about doing that too? Yeah, that's a really great question and actually one that I haven't been asked before. (laughs) 
So when I kind of describe making Australian history accessible, I kind of mean this in a few different ways. I think that both it should be like physically accessible. Mm. I think that everyone should be able to kind of come on a tour. So like the tour is physically accessible for people in wheelchairs or Mm, trams. And then I also, when I talk about accessibility, mean that anyone, no matter their educational background, should be able to engage with Australian history. You should be able to come on a tour and not feel like you are left out because you didn't study this at school. And the ways to do that is I don't assume any knowledge. And I think one of the great things about a walking tour, which is so kind of unique to the form, is that you can adapt stories as you go. So if I have kind of a group of people, you know, like they're all Canberra locals, you know, they've, they know the history of the city really well. They are very kind of, you know, across women's history. I can dive deeper into some of the stories yeah, and cool. I don't have to give as much context. If I have, you know, like a child on a tour, I would give a lot more context and frame it differently. So it's being able to kind of adapt it that I think kind of contributes to that level of accessibility. My advice would be just don't assume and like, I'm a big believer in just using simple language and having a conversation. And I think that that's, again, a great thing about walking tours is that they are conversations that you are having with people and that it might be you kind of leading the conversation because you're performing a little bit, but it's it's a conversation. You know, you're just talking at someone, you're sharing a story as you would a friend. And I think storytelling, you know, it's the oldest profession. Like, it works. It's the way that we've shared knowledge for thousands upon thousands of years. And, like, books, documentaries, <laughs> museums are all really new. Yeah. And I think that there's something kind of quite powerful about going back to the original method that we've been using to share stories with children, you know, with our community, and using that as a way of sharing women's history and sharing it in the places where it's happened, which I think also kind of adds to that accessibility that you're like actively walking around a space and that it makes it feel very tangible and real and that you can kind of see yourself in the landscape and that you can see these stories there. And I think you're more likely to remember it. As someone who did science communication in a building not so far away from where we are right now for a hot minute, I think that Venn diagram is pretty large in terms of the way that that goes both in terms of communicating uh, science and history, you know, just trying to bring as much people in as you can with the language actually changing as necessary. Years ago, I did a show about the Apollo missions, and it was just a collection of stories. Uh, It's one of the most underrated shows I think that organization ever did. Not many of us knew it. And it was just like, it's the same stories, but depending on the crowd, you have to adjust your wording and everything to maximize out the interest, the accessibility. It's really cool. There's this idea of a respect gap, which you've mentioned before in the past, and the idea of closing that, you know, both in terms of Australian politics, culture, society. Would you like to speak to that a bit more? Yeah. So this idea of a respect gap is actually something that I heard about from the Australian historian Claire Wright. And She talks about how there is a gap in how we view women today and we don't view them as being kind of, you know, like as equal or as worthy of being remembered and their contributions aren't as great as those of men's. And part of what has led to that is us thinking that women just have never shaped history and 
the reason why we think that way is because, you know, we don't see women like in politics for many years. We don't see them leading organizations. We don't see them, you know, like soldiers in the war front. So we get this idea that women haven't been there, that they haven't been shaping history. And to close the respect gap, you kind of, you know, by sharing stories and saying women have always been shaping history, but the ways that they've maybe been doing it are different to how men would do it because they just haven't had those same levels of opportunities. And by sharing the stories of how women have done that, you create this idea that women are worthy of being remembered, that they have shaped history and that they can shape history. So you start kind of changing how you view women today and their contributions and reimagining a bit what it means to actually shape history and contribute by kind of, you know, acknowledging those contributions of women. Bringing it all to the forefront. Mm. Right. You've run She Shapes History now for about two years? Is it just past two years? Just about Yeah, three? almost going on three. My goodness. <laughs> yeah. Happy happy third year anniversary <laughs> for when that comes around. What are some of your fondest memories so far from running this program? Oh, gosh. I love how much more connected to the Canberra community I feel as mm. a result. Like, so many of the people who have joined us on a tour are Canberrans, especially in the early days. But even now, like, I've had tours that's been, like, 60% Canberrans. Yeah, cool. And I feel like I've gone to know so many people as a result and seeing them then kind of come on another tour like a year later, it's really sweet. And you kind of feel a lot more connected to the community. Like I'll be in my local cafe and someone will come up and say hi. I never used to experience that. And I've, I've never experienced it anywhere else where, you know, I feel like a real staple of the community. And yeah. I think that that's been one of the things that I've like loved the most out of this. And then I that I've gotten to meet so many amazing people. Like, I get to kind of spend my weekends showing these really cool people because, like, the sort of people who book a walking tour are often, like, a women's history walking tour are often, like, the coolest of the cool. Yeah. And I get to spend my weekend showing them around. That is a dream job. Yeah. I mean, before, when we were taking some photos, a group walk past and you have to take a photo for them because, you know, it's nice to do so. And, yeah, and one of them was like, oh, you know your camera fails, right? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> that, that was really cool to see, though. That was really awesome. H- have there been any tours which have just either, like, gone fully off the rails or, like, something wild or crazy has just unintentionally happened during that two hours? Oh, there are some tours that I ran in really horrendous weather that I probably should cancel. <laughs> but you bond with people on those tours. I actually, around the time that the... Uh, Freedom Convoy was coming to Canberra. <laughs> I was running tours and I had to cancel running tours for a full month because it was just like really quite dangerous to be in the National Triangle and we were having people heckling us and stuff. So that's probably the closest. <laughs> My goodness. At any moment, danger could have come around. It was like we had people actively heckling us like and saying things and I just... Oh, my goodness. That's nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What kind of natural disaster occurring would you actually kind of want to give a tour in during? Like, if it was hailing, would you try for it? Would you go for it? (laughs) No, I would not run a a tour in the hail. That sounds extremely dangerous. Even on days, I think I'm going to start just, like, cancelling tours on days that it's above 44 degrees because that's just too hot. That's fair. Reason, El Nino, you know? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely.
I was looking on your website, and under the staff info in your blurb, it requests that people ask you about Canberra's best hikes and your favorite romance novels. And I don't know if enough people have done this, so I'm going to do this right now. Um, what do you think of Canberra's best hikes and what are your favorite romance novels? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I'll start with the hiking one because that is the one that I talk to people about. Nice. Um, I think that we're really, really blessed mm. in the capital that we have access to like Namadji and to Bimbilla, yeah. as well as having a lot of great kind of suburban hikes with hikes like Mount Painter, mm-hmm. where I always kind of round up afterwards with a coffee at Little Oink, yeah. or Mount Ainsley, after which I usually get a coffee at like Gang Gang yeah. or Stepping Stone Very Dixon. Nice. The hikes that I love in Namadji, though, is my favourite has to be Mount Jinjira, which is one of the tallest peaks in the ACT. And I've done that quite a few times. I've done it while it's snowing as well as, you know, in summer, and it's just stunning and kind of takes my breath away. So those are my favourite, some of my favourite hikes. Very nice. Um, And then in terms of romance novels, I actually read a really beautiful one on Goff and Margaret Whitlam's love story and how their love story was the one that kind of shaped the nation. And it was just like, it was, I'll I'll just tell it. I'll tell the love story. Tell the love story. (laughs) What's this book called? Uh, This was uh, Goff and Margaret, the love story that shaped the nation. Oh, literally. Okay, great. (laughs) (laughs) And both of them kind of, you know, like growing up followed almost similar paths, but not really. Yeah. So, Goff was actually someone who went to Tilopia Park School in Canberra. Oh, nice. Like, his dad had gotten a job, like many people moving to Canberra, in the public public service. service. And he ends up here and he becomes, like, really involved in the Tilopia Park Drama Club. He's a founding member. Ooh. So, really just falls in love with acting and theatre. He'd grown up, you know, he loved reading. And Canberra was so small in those days that they didn't have any public libraries. So the students at Lake Tulopia Park actually used to come to Old Parliament House and use the library here. So he loves reading. He loves, you know, theatre, loves the arts. And then Margaret, very similarly, is someone who, you know, whose parents used to take her a lot to the orchestra with Mm. them. They would always sit in, like, the really cheap seats behind. Or they'd go to, you know, like, plays a lot in the theatre. And she suddenly grew up loving. Yeah. Yeah. And she grew up loving reading and the arts as well. And then they both end up, you know, at the University of Sydney. And they join the Sydney University kind of drama society which I believe is still exists today. And they talk about how the way they met is they were at kind of this, you know, like uni party <laughs> and they're both quite tall. Like Gough Whitlam was 6'4 and Margaret was 6'1. So, and they like literally heads above everyone else. <laughs> and they talk about how they were on the dance floor and their eyes just met. And then they end up having this kind of slightly long courtship during which Margaret thinks that Goff is seeing other people. Right. Um, but in fact, he was just kind of, you know, like reading all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she thought that this handsome man must, you know, be a bit of a Surely, playboy. right? Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't. But they eventually kind of end up, you know, like together. They get married. They have this beautiful honeymoon kind of in the Blue Mountains where Margaret talks about how they would, you know, spend all day in bed together. But then she made sure they would go out to eat every night somewhere nice because she mm. wanted to show off her handsome husband to the world. Aww. The way that she kind of supported him... Like, an example, people used to come to their house while he was in Canberra, you know, because you have to come to Canberra if you're a politician. But 
a lot of people wouldn't know the sitting week, so they'd just sure. rock up and they'd knock on the door and be like, Margaret, these are the problems. <laughs> and no matter the time you come, she would sit there, make you a cup of tea and have a chat with oh. you, even if she was in, like, her bathrobe. Yeah. And she, like, supports him throughout his political career. When the dismissal happens, she keeps him afloat, gives him so much love at this time when he felt like it is worst. And they have this kind of great love story the last 70 years. When she ends up dying, Goff is still alive and he just feels like the world has fallen out beneath him. And... He said that he was always reminded of that song in My Fair Lady that talks about getting so used to the face of your beloved that it feels like they make the sun rise. And then when Margaret was gone, like, the sun stopped rising. So his daughter ended up creating, like, a beautiful collage of their life together, and he put that on his bedside so that he could still wake up every morning and her face was the first that it's, that he saw so the sun would still rise. What a wholesome tale. <laughs> It's a really, like, it's a, a, like, they're kind of, like, the one, I think, like, major power couple that we had. Yeah. And both huge figures in their own right. And it was, like, beautiful reading about that love story, you know, like, starting as, you know, like, two young people on different paths to with their paths crossing and then growing together. And I think that she really, like, took a step back in many ways in order to support him and to help him be a great person and a great figure. And I, like, I kind of wonder what... It would look like today if someone like Margaret was coming up, because I think that she would have been the Prime Minister. (laughs) You heard it here first. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad I asked this question that I I thought of whilst looking through your website. I have a soft spot for romances. Absolutely. Sita, I've been asking this next question to everyone this season. What do you think Canberra needs more of and why? Hmm. What does Canberra need more of? Crosswalks. Crosswalks. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> For context, on in the National Triangle, there aren't enough crosswalks, and it really annoys me because it means that I have to do some quite dangerous crossings <laughs> um, with people to get them through the route. But what does Canberra need more of? Like, I guess the easy answer would be statues of women. <laughs> I which mean, I should have probably, correct, yeah. <laughs> which I feel now is probably the answer you were aiming for. But yeah, I think I that. I mean, no, I, I was hoping you'd say crosswalks. <laughs> so we've got it first take. <laughs> um, I like. I genuinely believe it needs more statues of women, and I think like one of the things that I love about the statue of Dorothy Tangy and Edith Lyons at the front of Old Parliament House, and these were the two first female parliamentarians who were elected to federal parliament, is that. That statue was kind of established in March of 2023 for International Women's Day mm-hmm. and that you often see uh, flowers in their hands mm. and people taking photos of it and people getting so excited to see it. And I think it just shows that like, people want representation yeah. and they want to see these stories in the landscape and to be able to engage with them. And I would love to see more of that. And I would love to see it not only in the National Triangle, but kind of all over and of us singing, you know, the landscape physically is one that has been shaped by women. Nice. What does the future hold for Sita for Sargent and for She Shapes History going forward? Yeah. I am actually, I recently um, signed a book deal with Hardy Grant Publishing. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to write a women's history travel guide to Australia. So sharing the stories from across the country of how women have shaped history in the places where they've shaped history. So I am going to be embarking on a four-month road trip from the end of October 2023 to March 2024, (laughs) 
researching and writing that. So that's the the upcoming thing for me. But I am hoping 2025 that I'll be able to start kind of expanding outside of Canberra. Do you know where you're going to be early December yet? Have you planned that? Because that's probably going to be when this, this episode specifically comes out. Early December, I will be in Queensland. It's probably up in Cairns. There you go. If you're uh, listening in Cairns for some reason to a Canberra-based <laughs> podcast, you can you can find this woman. Yeah, I'll be in Cairns exploring the women's history there. And then after that, I will be making my way back to Canberra before I head to Tasmania. And She Shapes History will just be running... Yeah, I've been training up some amazing guides, some of whom I feel are becoming better than me, (laughs) which is what you want to say. So all of the tours will be continue running while I'm gone, which I'm really, really pleased about. And I think the thing that I love about our team is that what I think makes it really unique is that you kind of feel like you're being taken around by a friend. Like we have such a unique mix of guides. One of ours, her name's Alison Alder, and she's like the parliamentary artist in residence now. Oh, wow. And it's like her work is at the Portrait Gallery and she takes people, you know, like once a month on our tour. (laughs) Um, We have like a major cartoonist who recently joined as a guide. We've got someone who's a producer at ABC Canberra Radio. Like we've got like a real great mix of people with really – interesting backgrounds who kind of take people on the tour and share the stories that kind of like I've researched and developed but kind of put their own spin on it like I've loved seeing that and loved kind of seeing being able to give the thing that I've loved so much about the tour is being able to connect with the community and to be able to share the best of Canberra to other people and to share that around it's so cool that you've created such a firm and solid foundation now that you can just go and embark around the country for a for a third of a year, you know, and the people taking it over are all very, very competent <laughs> at what they're doing, which is so good. It must feel so good. Yeah, oh, I. it's what's kind of given me a lot of the confidence to go, like, we could expand out of Canberra. Yeah. It could be elsewhere. Ooh. Well, you never know. You never know. <laughs> yeah, wait for a world domination. There it is. <laughs> Finally, Sito, before I let you go, uh, the floor is yours. Are there any final things you'd like to say to those listening? Thank you for listening. Come on a tour. <laughs> Come on a tour. We run them literally all the time. <laughs> we can find you on all the relevant social media places. Mm-hmm. Facebook, Instagram, website. Yeah. Another one. Just just, just search. She, no, <laughs> no there's more. LinkedIn. Oh, yeah. Get in. <laughs> uh, just search She Shapes History and you'll be able to find the business. And you can follow me traveling around. Hunt me down in cans. <laughs> <laughs> Sita, thank you so much for our chat today. It's been so lovely. And thank you for the tour today. It was so insightful and so cool. Oh, I'm sorry. What was your favorite story from the tour? My favorite story from this tour was honestly probably the one you told about West Block with Mm. that little, uh, let's call it the dugout area, where the women of the Second World War? Yeah, well, they're just encoding and decoding different secret messages that was being sent between prime ministers. I'm excited to see... What, if anything, happens to that building in the in the coming months, years, decades? Centuries. Who's to say? <laughs> Folks, from Old Parliament House, this has been Canberra Conversations in the Capital. For the unstoppable Cita Sergeant and the spectacular team at She Shapes History, I've been Henry Zhu. Stay safe, be kind, and we'll see you around town soon. Mm-hmm.